0: This is Deion Dawkins, man. You're listening to The Scoop on owlscoop.com. You already know.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, owlscoop.com's podcast. This is season nine, episode five. I'm John DiCarlo. Declan Landis is with me today. Not a full house. No Kyle Gauss, no Ramir Vaughn, no Johnny Zwizlak. Hopefully we'll have them back next week. Got a great show for you guys this week. We'll review Temple's 36-7 loss at Rutgers, which was not so great. Uh, Preview Saturday's game against Norfolk State. You'll hear from Stan Drayton, Jaquez Smith on this podcast this week. We'll also answer your mailbag questions as well. Got a little bit of basketball uh for you as well in terms of a recruiting update the scoop as always brought to you by greenspan and greenspan injury lawyers if you've been injured while on the road or the highway in the crash was someone else's fault the insurance company is not going to be on your side you need us temple law grads will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve we only get paid if we win so in pennsylvania or new york calls today at 215-261-7359 that's 215-261 7359 and you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com that's greenspans-law.com Declan
2: John how are you buddy I'm good how are you good what did you think of the trip to Rutgers it was a lot of fun it was uh it was kind of stressful um so for those of you that don't know and if you don't know now you know I think that's a famous thing maybe yeah, it is yeah um I am also the sports editor at the Temple News so i I was kind of wearing two hats on saturday which is not a bad thing you know i Mm -hmm. normally wear three so it was one less (laughs) one on the night yep and um so it was a little stressful because we traveled in separate cars you know i went with you Mm -hmm. and my TTN guys came up after us and they left maybe like 15 minutes later Mm -hmm. but they they were like an hour and a half behind us and it was just a mess so ramir was nice enough to wait outside for me as we did our uh tailgate takeover live stream mm-hmm. before the game. Mm-hmm. So everything after that was fun except for maybe the game itself. But uh yeah. yeah. Well at least the fourth quarter. But it was cool. I liked it. I mean the stadium was it was a cool atmosphere. Uh the the locker room like or the the press room, excuse me, going around the stadium mm-hmm. and down the stairs. That was pretty cool. They definitely played to their audience. They definitely do. definitely played it played to the the fan base a lot of
1: uh sopranos references yes
2: can i may i steal this for a second because their theme of the night right was was blackout Mm -hmm. and that meant for to them at least that every like 30 seconds they played acdc's back in black
1: which i'm yeah we're all sick of now
2: i cannot ever listen to that song again (laughs) like i just cannot do it and i said to Raimir before the game i was like man you know over under five and a half times that we hear uh back in black acdc and he said throughout the game or whenever i said whatever you you interpret i think he took the under we must have heard it 35 36 Mm -hmm. times and it hit me before the game why are they not using the rolling stones paint it black which the lyrics are literally i see a red door and i want to paint it black and it made me angry we didn't hear it once okay Maybe I'm in the wrong calling Maybe I well, should be in marketing it could be
1: that it's I don't know I don't, Maybe I'm giving them Way too much credit Uh huh To think this deeply on it Paint it black is about Vietnam And is all it? the atrocities That happen there Okay valid Red door Paint it black Like it's about uh, uh, You know An American soldier Like having a hard time With what he sees I don't know or maybe they just maybe they don't care. Yes. Maybe they're just like we are forcing the ACDC thing here. <laughs> they and did
2: play "Born in the USA" though, which has mm. the same sort yeah. of message. Yeah. Several maybe. times, by the way. Maybe. But also, Bruce Springsteen is Jersey, so I heard that. Yeah, you know, Personal Asbury yeah. Park, I believe.
1: Yeah, not too far away. Yeah, the boss. Yeah, but uh, the results. As we'll get into a little bit later. Not good at all. That was at one point a six point game and then it got out of hand in a hurry. Rutgers reeled off twenty-three unanswered points. Famous number fives. Famous one.
2: number five, the first person that came to mind was Tyrod Taylor.
1: He's the first person that came to mind. There's
2: a nice <laughs> yes. there's a nice hearty laugh for
1: everybody. <laughs> yes. all the not Donovan McNabb, not Joe DiMaggio. <laughs> Not Brooks Robinson, that's for Javon, <laughs> no. Joe Flacco, yeah, no. maybe the Jets will give him a call at some point, Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor, Taylor.
2: <laughs> what made you think of Tyrod Taylor? I don't know, my brain, <laughs> well, but it's right, and maybe, yeah. was Blake Bortles number five as well? Or did I just fully I make that up? He might have been. I don't remember. But might Tyrod Taylor is my answer he, for he you. He
1: terrorized Temple fans for a little
2: bit. He did, yes. Yeah, I remember There's seeing UCF that game. Knights. Yeah,
1: but yeah, so you literally have no other number fives other than Tyrod Taylor. I mean, I you just, you're just I trying to stay? You're thinking. just trying to stay true to the process. You're 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 not obviously googling things like you were I a few months ago. I have not
2: googled in weeks. Have not googled go. I'm in proud weeks. Proud of you. Thank you. It's it's getting to be a struggle though because I mean the early numbers are easier than the later numbers, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I mean you get a number like five and. You mentioned so many good fives, and the only person that came to mind was Tyrod Taylor. <laughs> it's good. It's good. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Thank it's you. Like you didn't didn't
1: look at your phone. You're like the ethical guy during Quizzo Who's like, I'm not going
0: to look at my phone. It. I'm, not I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Not doing
1: it. Even if that Quizzo host looks the other way and goes to the bar and gets a drink, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm it's gonna for the love
2: sure. of the game, John. You exactly. Know? It's. Uh, I got a good one next week though, so stay tuned.
0: Ooh. Yeah. All
2: right. My for number my, six. My hero. Yeah your hero, my hero hmm number six so
1: oh, that'll be Bubby Brister then I have no you, idea who that is a, I, I wouldn't expect you to <laughs> career backup quarterback in the in the eighties but uh I don't know I don't know they, see there's a random one ah. who would, why would I be thinking of him there you go, don't know, yeah, getting back to uh what we saw Saturday night. Again for, for Temple, the shame of it all is and this is just my opinion. I still think this is a Rutgers team that they lost to that might win three team, uh, might win three games in the big 10 this year. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to take any credit away from a team that, that beat Temple 36 to seven, but I still don't think they're all that great. Mm-hmm. this is a 13 to seven game like I said early in the fourth quarter, nine seconds in the fourth quarter after EJ Warner's nine yard touchdown pass to Dante right on fourth down. Gutsy throw, gutsy call, made it a 13-7 game at that point. And then Temple just completely broke down. Rutgers, like I said, ran off 23 unanswered points the rest of the way. Kyle Mononguy, Stan Drayton called an NFL-level back on on Monday's press conference. I mean, he just destroyed Temple on that next drive. I think it was a seven-play drive. He had six of those plays on runs, finishing off with a one-yard touchdown run. He finished with 165 yards. And then that touchdown, they really started to put the game out of reach. Rutgers had 254 rushing yards on the night. But, you know, I, I tried to – we won't play the clip of the of the post-game audio from Saturday. You guys have heard that by now. And, you know, I think Stan Drayton was just kind of like a little not, – not fired up, but just emotional, frustrated. Yeah, and I said, like, you know, what broke after that? And he was like, I don't know, you tell me. And then he was like, well, "We're not a broken team." And I wanted to interrupt him, say, "No, I, I'm not saying you're a broken team, but something, you know, you guys kept hanging around and hanging around." Yeah. Yeah. And um.
2: And it was very sudden. Like it was a very sudden yep. collapse. Yeah. It and was just all, like the second they broke off a long run.
1: Yeah. And all of a sudden, Kyle Monaghan looked like, uh, you know, just looked like a like a battering ram at that point, yeah, and Tank just Bixby. could not be like Tank Bisbee. You yeah. really just had to shout out Tank. You're Bixby. really really hoping that Tank he uh, that he takes off this year. as a I rookie. am yes. But, um, yeah, I mean, just uh, uh, a, a tough loss for Temple in the sense that, look, I mean, that game, for as, as poorly as they played in the first three quarters, it was there to be won. Spoiler alert another offensive line combination. They're continuing to struggle with, with youth and an experience there. And so Diego Brajas could not go at left tackle after Stan Drayton kind of gave us the indication that. He had bounced back, and he might be all right. Not kind of. He said that
2: he was going to play yeah, on Monday. Yeah, something
1: must have turned on Monday. Yeah. Um, whether it was an X-ray, an MRI, I don't know. Because uh, Luke Watson you know, talked about how oh, I started getting reps, more increased reps. Uh, if you listen to his interview with reporters from Tuesday, he was getting a lot of those, those left tackle reps from Tuesday on. So he started left tackle. Jackson Pruitt moved from right guard to left guard. Rich Rodriguez at center. Wisdom Quarshie came back, played at right guard, and then Victor Stoffel at right tackle. And those five guys played all 78 offensive snaps in the game. Um Meir pointed this out in a story that's up on the site now. And Rutgers was just really in you know, third and manageable situations most of the night. Mm-hmm. They, they averaged a little less than six yards to go on third downs and converted 53% of them. That was a big part of the game. And, and another thing that, that Meir asked Stan Drayton about um. Uh, or he asked, actually asked Jordan McGee about it on, after the game mm-hmm. on Saturday night, and then I asked, um, asked Stan about it. You know, Jordan McGee played 57 snaps, and then Evandy Rigby played just 36 snaps. Uh, and then on that that drive where Monagai really just ran the ball down their throats, like I said, it was McGee, Jacob Hollins, and DJ Woodbury as the linebackers on that drive when, like I said, Monagai came back out and really just took control of the game, made it a 20-7 to ball game. I asked Stan about that on Monday in his Monday press conference, and as you guys know by then, no, no different than when Nick Sirianni has a chance to look at film or any NFL coach gets a chance to look at film. Same thing for Stan Drayton. He's had a little bit more of a chance to decompress. And I asked Stan Monday about why Jordan McGee, and particularly Andy Rigby, didn't play as much Saturday night. And he, and he sort of kind of like chalked it up to, to load management and talked about trying to preserve the team for the long haul. I thought it was kind of an interesting answer. And it's not to say that that Corey Yeoman and some of these other younger guys aren't, aren't worthy of playing. Uh, he, he goes on and you'll hear this clip in a second. Here he, he goes on to say that that Jordan McGee played lights out, but you know, all these games matter for Temple. They're trying to get bowl eligible. They're trying to, you know, just take discernible steps forward from what they were last year. But um, yeah, Ramir caught that. And, you know, Jordan said, yeah, you know, gave the other guys a chance to shine. I don't think it was any big deal and it doesn't seem like it was a big deal, but, Um, and I don't know if, like, if Andy Rigby's in there, I don't know if it makes much of a difference, but it was something we noticed down the stretch, and here's what Sandrayton said when I asked him about that on Monday.
3: No, you know, one thing that we had from game one is those guys played a lot of football, right? And we still have a lot of the football season left for us, and, you know, I don't believe that they can play as much as they have been playing from game one to continue that that playload, and still be ready for us on the back end of the season. So um, we have to play our, our our depth chart. We have to play those young guys to, to keep this team going at the level that we want them to go. And those guys have to develop and, and elevate their level of play. So it wasn't a matter of them doing anything right or wrong. As a matter of fact, Jordan McGee played lights out. He had a really good game, really good game, you know, but it's the Corey Yeomans and the DJs of the world that, you know, at some point their numbers going to be called and they got to step up in those situations and and play for us and we wouldn't put them out there um if we didn't think that they could help us win they compared and earned that right to be out on the football field and you know and we're in the business of giving them what they deserve and what they've earned
1: now on the bright side maybe one good thing to come out of last saturday night's game for temple was the play of Jaquez Smith, the true freshman running back from Tampa Jesuit High School. If you're a, a loyal fan of the Temple program and you follow recruiting, obviously you're you're looking at any running back they're bringing in, given how poorly they ran the ball last season. Now Jaquez, unlike your your favorite Temple football player, Kyle Williams, uh, did not have the benefit of playing in the spring. But uh, I noticed he was out there and suited up in warm-ups after not playing last week, and I put that on our football board for our Owl Scoop subscribers or something to look for, and then, and then, sure enough, he got in on that third series. Then later on in the game, he had runs of 12 and 14 yards, finished with 45 yards on nine carries, played 19 snaps. So it, it was really the the very definition of what is possible. when You know, when Stan Drayton said leading up to last weekend's game, look, uh, our runners need to be more decisive. They need to run through contact better, basically implying like, hey, guys, you know, it's not going to be like the parting of the Red Sea. You can't wait around for that. You have to be more decisive. You got to make some of your own holes there. And um, again, it's one game, but the start of maybe something there for for Temple uh, with Jaquez Smith. And so here's Stan Drayton talking about Jaquez Smith when I asked him about him on Monday after seeing more film of him after the game.
3: Very decisive runner, you know, uh, tough to tackle. You know, there was times where, you know, um, he gained yards, kept us on schedule when there was a backer in the hole that just couldn't put their pads on him, you know? So, you know, we're definitely going to continue to elevate his reps. You know, I think he's created some healthy competition in that room right now, you know, and, uh, you know, credit to Sadie and Hubbard and, and EJ. Those guys are rallied behind. Joe Quez, um, they want to win, so if Joe Quez is going to put the production out there to help us win, I mean, I think we're all going to be pretty satisfied with that, so he's going to play more, you know, he he does have some weaknesses, you know, that those other guys feel for him, so um, they're going to play for us a whole lot, you know, and he's going to need them to, to be ready to go, but um, yeah, moving forward, he's going to touch the ball quite a bit for us.
1: What did you think of? How he played on Saturday and what you saw differently after again i at look it was a 36 to 7 game it's not like the floodgates open for a Temple but I think there was
2: a, a discernible difference there after he started just giving the defense something to think about oh there absolutely was and you know when firstly when I pointed him out to you that he was in pads and warming up thank you very much you did you I did. did yeah you know I was a little offended when you, Is that why you're making a face at I me made a say, face because hey. I was like I actually pointed it out but it's cool um but I think there was like kind of better. A, you feel better now. I do. I, I needed that out. I want there. you to feel better now. Thank yeah, you. Good. I appreciate that's that. Good. I just need my flowers. You know, everybody needs <laughs> their flowers. Um, but I think it was kind of an initial shock, like just to, you know, I didn't expect to see him initially get as many touches, but even to be dressed like I don't think he was he was either dressed or dressed. And did not play week one, or was not dressed at all. Yeah, they dress
1: more. And again, like I was out, you know, two weeks ago, I was out with COVID. I wasn't there in the stadium. But for home games, they dress a lot more guys, like dress and quotes, and then have them on the sidelines. But yeah, he—I mean, he was not. He didn't play.
2: He wasn't part of the game plan. Even then, I don't even remember seeing him dress. Yes. Yeah. So the fact that he not only became an integral part of the offense by the end, but he made almost the whole team better. Mm -hmm. Like that touchdown drive doesn't happen if Mm -hmm. he's not getting like four to five yards. At the beginning of the drive, and having the defense kind of commit to the run game, which opens up the passing game as well. Um, and I think, I think I, he had the twelve and the
1: fourteen yarder on the drive that ended with the pass
2: interference call that got reversed. Right? It might have been, yeah. yeah. But either way, I mean, mm-hmm. it opened up the whole playbook. It seemed like mm-hmm. there were plenty of opportunities for receivers to get open because now the defense had to keep an eye on him. And mm-hmm. there were a couple runs too where they had the uh, the Big Ten Network up in the press box, and you would look at the Big Ten Network and it looked like he would go under players into mm-hmm. holes that were like impossibly small mm-hmm. for him to to get 2 or 3 yards out of a run that probably shouldn't have gotten 2 or 3 runs. Yeah. So the fact that he was able to keep them on schedule and moving the ball which then led to more things. I mean, you could see EJ get more comfortable as mm-hmm. well passing the ball after that too. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I mean, I, I mean it's a given. I mean, I mean football fan knows this if you can give a defense something to think about when you're not just dropping back constantly, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the episode here. I mean, Stan Drayton did say on Monday, like, look, I don't think that the Jackson Pruitt, who was making his first start at left guard after playing at right guard, and then Luke Watson bouncing up from guard to, to left tackle, I think he said something like that. I don't think they got overpowered, but they played like a freshman and a true freshman a lot of times. And again, I don't, I'm, I'm really not trying to take anything away from Rutgers, but that, that wasn't Penn State they were playing. I think they're a middle-of-the-road, still, until further notice, a middle-of-the-road Big Ten team. Yeah. But when when that edge is being set on the left side of the line and not in a good way, it's not a good thing. And so if, if these guys can just start to feel good about run blocking, and, and, and I will continue to say this, this Saturday should be the Quest Smith game. I'm not saying that Ed Sadie and Darvon Hubbard aren't going to get carries. Stan if you listen to all of Stan Drayton's remarks from Monday, he said, look, I mean, he, he still has his weaknesses and and other guys are going to play. But, the, you know, and I'll again, we'll get more into it. That's why you schedule a Norfolk State, a bye game, mm-hmm. to get guys feeling good about themselves. And it's not just Jaques Smith. It should be the offensive linemen. They need to feel good about run blocking again. And for a while, they were. And you could see, like, oh, this could be – you know, what's, what's possible here. Um, and I talked to, in the player availability on Tuesday, we'll play this clip of you here. This is me just, you know, asking some questions of Jaquest Smith and just, you know, when he knew he was going to start playing more, the game speed, you know, how things look to him out there. So here's a part of, of that interview from Tuesday. When did you start to know that you were going to be, you know, a lot more prominently featured in the in the, you know, the game plan heading to Saturday?
0: I mean, pretty much after the Akron game, Coach came to me. He told me that I'll, I'll probably play a little bit, so be ready with my numbers called. So I knew from the beginning of the week when we were planning play Rutgers that, that I'll be getting a little bit of play time. Was it
1: just as simple as, you know, when we've asked Stan about this, he's like, hey, there's just obviously the natural progression of, like, a true freshman getting used to, to college football. You, you played in some big environments down at Tampa Jesuit. Was it just as simple as, like, just taking a step at a time and having the confidence, like, okay. Once I get to know things a little bit more, my time's gonna come.
0: Yeah, I um, go. I still got a lot of work to do, and Coach knows that, so he put me out there slowly on the plays I know, and trying to get me comfortable with the new speed and everything.
1: How was the, the the play speed? About what you'd expect? A little bit different, or but I mean, obviously, you had a couple. You had a twelve yard run, you had a fourteen yard run, and had some success out there. What what was it like once you got out there?
0: Definitely, definitely faster, for sure. But, I mean, my O-line did everything they had to do, open up the holes, perfect play call, so everything was smooth.
1: Did you notice anything? I mean, it did open up things for you guys a little bit once you were able to get a couple of double-digit runs. Do you sense anything as you guys are in the huddle and you're going back out there? Do you sense anything differently or different about the way the defense reacts when you can pop off a couple of double-digit runs? Uh,
0: they started playing a little bit closer, I see, so that's when we start hitting them over the top with deeper passes, stuff like that, just playing with them, trying to, get, just trying to figure out if we're going to run it, throw it, so it opened up the offense.
1: Wait, earlier you said that you still have a lot of work to do. What, what do you still have to – obviously, there any true freshman is going to have stuff to improve upon. Where do you think you do still need to improve?
0: Um, just on my pass protections, um, recognizing blitzes, different stuff, uh, my alignment, making sure uh, I've got my reads together, different stuff like that.
1: Just the last one for me, just purely as a runner. I mean, you ran for more than 5,000 yards in in a really competitive environment down there. I mean, did that just, that might sound like a simple question, but like, do you feel like you have like your identity as a runner at this level now, just given the carries you had there, the reps that you got, the the environment that you played in, does that just leave you more prepared for this level? Just the types of games you played in and just the, the sheer output that you had
0: in high school. Yeah, just, just working each each day and Coach Foreman getting me ready since I got here in the summer, just telling me different stuff I need to work on and how to get better each and every day.
1: But yeah, I mean, just kind of wrapping up the, the Rutgers game, it's another test for Temple now where, again, like Norfolk State will not be a test. But how much does Temple let this game linger? Because, again, the final score wouldn't show it. I will keep saying it. I think that was a very pedestrian Rutgers team. They lost to, and they have to look at how do things get so out of hand. I, I think it was the the guy drive after that just broke them, and after that, EJ Warner's trying to do too much. We have a mailbag question not about that specific following series there, but we'll have to see how they how they respond. Yeah, I don't think that they got the benefit of the doubt on that that pass interference call that got reversed. I, you know, I wrote about that. Saturday night of my game story. Don't certainly think that that was necessarily a deciding factor in the game. They basically picked up the flag there where E.J. Warner is rolling to his right. Throws to Edward Sadie. There's contact there. It looked like Ed was getting hooked at the end of it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that kind of reminded me of, you know, going way back. Some of the Temple Big East games of old where they're hanging around and hanging around, hanging around, excuse me, and then when things go wrong, they really go wrong. And in their seasons where they were a lot better under Matt Rule and Jeff Collins, maybe that first year under Rod Carey before things got really bad under Rod, um, they were able to get past those moments on Saturday night. They just weren't. It's a, another firm reminder that the roster is still partly young, partly still just really thin in other areas. But, yeah, not a great display of football. Anything else I'm uh, forgetting from Saturday night before we move on to Norfolk State? I don't think to so. You?
2: I don't think so. I think we about We've covered have covered it. all the carnage. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, we're not going to get too far into the weeds. Again, not to be disrespectful of Norfolk State, but look, they're, they're a one-on-one team. They're an FCS program that's coming off a 31-23 win over Hampton last weekend, but they lost the previous week to Virginia State, which is a Division two program. So Temple really, really shouldn't have no business losing this game Saturday or even really furthermore having Norfolk State hang around in the second half. I mean, even if they win, I think this is one of those games again. I think pick any cliche you can. It's a get right game. The offensive line should feel good about itself. The young know, people like Jaquas Smith should feel good about themselves. This is a game where you you just feel good heading into the Miami game. You should. If they if this game is still in the balance in the fourth quarter, then you've you've got some some real problems yeah. on offense. Their quarterback Otto Coons, was their conference player of the week last week. He went 15 of 20 for 199 yards, three touchdowns and a pick last week, and their win over Hampton, nice game. But again, in the Virginia State loss against a D two program, he was not good. 10 of 27, 166 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. On defense, uh, they have defensive back R J Coles and a freshman linebacker. AJ Richardson are the leading tacklers with 11 tackles apiece. Uh and in fact, no one outside of my family or my close friends will care about you will get a kick out of this. Uh AJ Richardson is from Kings Mountain, North Carolina, which is where Chelsea and I drove to get Bear ah, last nice, year. Where nice. We adopted a bear from just a little over a year ago. That's awesome. Um so uh yeah, that jumped out to me. I was like, "Oh." Yeah, there you go. Bear's hometown.
2: Good memories. My little my little buddy. Um happy North- gotcha day, Bear, if you're listening.
1: That was last weekend, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, last uh, last Sunday. Last Sunday, so, yeah, he's adorable.
2: Yeah, loyal fan of the scoop.
1: Yeah. He's probably not listening. <laughs> well, don't if say that does, about yourself. We'll see. I'll play it to him and see if he responds. Yeah, there you go. I'll probably just either, like, lick my face or ask for a treat, but <laughs> he's he's young. Still a kid. Um, Norfolk State, I mean, they've again, we're heading into week three of the season. They have scored on their opening possession – in each of their first two weeks of the season. So uh, that's something Temple should put to an end on Saturday or really needs to, to put to an end. Um, let's let's start delving into predictions here even before we get to that. Standard question here, what do
2: they need to do on Saturday to win and win the way they should win? Run the ball yep. and run the ball early. Control mm-hmm. possession, um, stay on schedule like Ramirez would like to say. Uh, just making sure that they, first of all, get Ed Sadie some good touches that he can get four or five yards a carry mm-hmm. and just kind of get a rhythm and, and start seeing what Drayton has talked about, like getting aggressive, getting to the holes, getting through the line. Um, that's, a, that's a big, I think, point of emphasis for, the, for them. Uh, finding that number one receiver, I guess it's Dante Wright, outside of Ian Stewart, uh, until he gets well. I think a big thing for me, though, and maybe this is just me personally, Mm -hmm. but I think getting the tight ends in a role in the offense that like lives up to their talent, because Mm -hmm. I think they're we've talked about it. Like, I think they're the most talented position group, at least on the offense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, David Martin Robinson has gotten targets. Jordan Mm -hmm. Smith hasn't really gotten targets. Um, Get them more targets. Get them open like. They, they are open on plays. Mm-hmm. So they just don't get the ball as much. I think, well, get I think the part tight of that, ends again, goes
1: back game. to the fact. And, again, we'll, uh, just to give you guys a preview, again, we'll, we've, we're we getting into the mailbag very soon where we got more football-centric questions in there. We'll talk about EJ, the the ups and downs of EJ Warren for the first two weeks and, and um, what he's doing well, what he's not doing well, and – the fact that he hasn't had a whole lot of time to throw. And I think you can see what happens when things aren't on schedule. And like I said, that that left side of the line, the edge is being set and not in the good way. Right. And it's not like EJ has a chance to sit in the pocket all the time. Um, I don't think he's completely blamed this in this, but you know where he can watch a David Martin Robinson cut across the middle of the field or watch a Jordan Smith get open. But even, and still, they open. even yeah. still, they get open. Even still, they get open. Like
2: That's the thing. I just think they need to be a more regular part of the offense. And mm-hmm. uh, I think this is the perfect game to do it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I again, I, I think this should be the Joe Quest Smith game. And, again, I'm not trying to hype him up and say after he had 45 yards on nine carries against the, an average Big Ten team that that he is now Paul Palmer or Barry right. Sanders or Walter Payton or anything like that. But you get him – yeah, I mean, Stan Drayton said it. He's going to touch the ball more moving forward. He's going to be involved quite a bit, and he should be. Um, I'm not trying to bury it, Sadie. Yeah, you – like. Like Stan said, like you said, they need to keep them involved in the offense, but uh, maybe a little bit more in the passing game. But, again, I don't think that the offensive line, I'm not trying to take anything away from them, but I don't think that they were really doing anything drastically different. But, again, he was just a more decisive runner. Yeah, He's played a lot of good competition. I mean, he tallied five thousand, more than 5,000 yards in his high school career down there. In a good league down in Florida, they need to run the ball. I agree completely with you. Run the ball. Run the ball early. Get up early. Just this offensive line outside of the the USF game mm-hmm. last year. And, you know, Jackson Pruitt wasn't a part of that. Luke Watson wasn't a part of right. that. Um, they need to feel like, wow, we came out of a game and we controlled the line of scrimmage in a good way, but we weren't dropping back in pass blocking all the time. Mm-hmm. If they come out constantly throwing the ball, throwing the ball, I'm going to be scratching my head yep. saying, like, Danny Langsdorf, what, what what are we doing here? I, I don't know that that will, that will be the case, but they need to run the ball. They need to show that they're the better team in the line of scrimmage, even though they are without some, some key people on the defensive line. Um, you know, they have some injuries, but they need to win this game mm-hmm. in the fashion in which it should be won. Got a prediction for us?
2: Tyler Douglas plays in the third quarter is my prediction. The third quarter? I do. I think, I think they – maybe I'm just naive. Maybe I'm just mm-hmm. – I want to cover the Hawaii Bowl while we're out there for the uh, Diamond Classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that they take control in the first quarter and they get on the gas pedal enough, the defense plays well enough that we're seeing a little Forrest Brock, a little Tyler Douglas – maybe not at the start of the third quarter You're
1: skipping over Quincy Patterson
2: I think I think yeah I think I want to see the the other guys get a shot mm-hmm. at quarterback because yeah, I think Quincy well. Patterson's kind of a known quantity yeah yep. so I, sure I, yeah so yeah I want to see some Tyler Douglas I want to see some Forrest Brock I want to see what they have to offer mm-hmm. what about a score um I had a score check the temple News. I don't remember what I wrote though it was it was high it's high I'm gonna go thirty four to ten. Um, I
1: don't know that you're going to see backups in. I can't go from a 36-7 loss to Tyler Douglas is in the third quarter. True. If he is, hey, good good for them. Um, I think that you'll start to see backups rolling in for second series of the fourth quarter. Again, if they aren't... Yeah, we're in a whole I different think, conversation. Yeah, exactly. But I think it should be something in the neighborhood of like a 38-10 to win. There really shouldn't be a in match up here that that Temple really is at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think another thing that that um that Stan Drayton talked about on Monday was that you know like they they still don't have a kickoff spe- specialist that can put the ball in the right. back of the end zone. Chris Van Ekeren has has come up short there. The transfer from Purdue. He even put one kickoff out, out of bounds which which hurt them so that's still an area where they're lagging on, mm-hmm. on special teams. I think Dante Atten's been fine. Again, I don't think it's anything that should really cost them, um, but it's not like he's going to be rattled by a huge mm-hmm. home crowd on Saturday. I'd be shocked if there are more than fourteen or 15,000 fans there. The Temple fan base is very fickle. They ride with the Raves. They're not going to be happy after a 36-7 loss, so we'll see. But, yeah, I, I think, as you have said and as I've said many times, this game needs to be put out of early. Put excuse me, put out of reach early, and if it's not, you got bigger concerns moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball notes to drop in here before we get into the mailbag. Our friend Ari Rosenfeld from Elite High School Scouting reported on Twitter today that we're uh, recording on Thursday that Adam Fisher and his staff are down visiting Dylan Batie. It's a twenty twenty two excuse me, class of twenty twenty four forward, and the son of former Temple forward Derek Batie. So if you're from my generation, if you went to Temple and uh, followed the Temple program back in the 90s, Derek Batee was a pretty good uh, power forward for John Chaney. So um, Temple's trying to get in the mix there. They're with them today. Uh, let's jump into the mailbag here. A lot more stuff to get into uh, in terms of this football program. So, again, want to thank all of you who chimed in either on Twitter or on our message boards at alscoop.com. Uh First question here is from one of our subscribers, the... The uh the screen name here, excuse me, I can think, is uh TJ Clark. Two part question. This is a good one. Uh first part of his question, any explanation of why Leighton Jordan has played so few reps? Do you have and then do you have any insight into timeliness for key injuries to be available uh to be available, such as Ian Stewart, Demarrick Morris, K J Miles, Richard Dandridge. So um Great question on Leighton Jordan. Uh according to the data that we get from Pro Football Focus, and we, we normally have this just for our Scoop subscribers each Monday, but I'll put it out there now. He only played sixteen snaps last Saturday. So um I, I wanna ask Stan about that a little bit more this week. You know, I mean he can rush the passer and it was a it was definitely a major win for Temple to not lose him to the transfer portal. I don't know what kind of interest he got um, from people who were kind of poking around uh, middlemen trying to lure him into the portal. But, you know, I I don't think there are any issues there with Leto. But it is kind of interesting that he's not, you know, for the production he's put out there, he's not a single digit guy. I don't Mm -hmm. know that the coaches, the players maybe view him as that guy who is just like He's one of the unquestioned leaders around here. Again, I'm not trying to imply that he's a problem, but um, I don't know what the deal is there. I don't know if they're not happy with other aspects of his game, but yeah, 16 snaps, not a lot in a game that, that that's a big non-conference game early on. And so, I mean, a lot of people have even just, like friends of mine have just texted me, like, well, how come Leighton Jordan's not out there anymore? He's essentially a backup, but he's one of their best pass rushers, so... I don't know if you have anything else you want to add on this. but
2: Well, uh, every time that somebody's asked Stan about it, yeah. and it's been a couple times now, yeah. he's just said that they've been really high on Jacob Hollins. And, I mean, mm-hmm. he's showed up. Like, he's played well. But has, it's but... no question that Leighton's better at rushing the passer. Yeah. Um, so I, I would be interested. I don't know if Kyle could do this, but I'd be interested to see how many of those are third downs that Leighton's playing. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that's really the only answer that he'll give us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I do think I don't. – there's got to be a way to get them both on the field, right?
1: Yeah, and I could, I could totally see Leighton Jordan going out and having a good game on Saturday against an inferior opponent. But then, is he going to do it against – Miami and, you know, right. Well, the guy led the team up. in sacks last year. Yeah. Like it's, so it's,
2: it's surprising
1: There's something going on And when I say there's something going on there. I don't mean anything major or like, you know, the guy is like a detriment to the locker room or anything. But yeah, 16 snaps is 16 snaps. And it's not it's not a whole lot. So it's something we'll continue to ask about. Uh Good question on the the injury front. Ian Stewart put out there on Instagram. Uh, after we talked to Stan Drayton on on Monday, that uh, he had a setback that's going to have him out another six weeks. It was a stress reaction, right? Um, And so uh, a couple people I talked to have said, look, like Temple's not going to put out any sort of official statement this week, but no one would doubt the authenticity of it. Um, Demeric Morris, K.J. Miles, Richard Dandridge, all three of those guys are all out this week. I'm not yet certain on Richard Dandridge, but, but Demeric Morris and, and K.J. Miles are going to be out for multiple weeks. I don't yeah. know if that's definitely season-ending stuff, but multiple weeks there. Uh, we'll ask about we'll ask about injuries again on Saturday after the game. We'll see if we can get you on Richard Dandridge. Um, any info on potential uh, on potential recruits visiting or attending the next two home games, especially if they're a defensive linemen or offensive linemen. I think you'll see some guys in for, for visits, unofficial or otherwise, um, uh, during the Miami game. We'll try to get some credible names for you. I don't know that you're going to see too much activity there for the Norfolk State game. I think the staff, I mean, if they got to get somebody in for a visit and somebody wants to come to campus, they'll bring a MIM, but I think they want a better atmosphere for the Miami game in a couple weeks. Um, Next question here from a message board. Uh, Screen name here, what, what, TU is the screen name. The question there, who will lead the team in rushing attempts this
2: week? You going to go with Joquez Smith, or are you going to try to... I just think, I think uh, he probably will, Joquez. Yeah. But I think Ed Sadie should. And I think Darvon Hubbard should get a lot of touches as well, just to keep him in the loop as well. Because he's run pretty, he's run pretty okay so far this season. So, I think it... It probably will be Joe Quez, and it should, based off last week. But I think Ed should be right up there with him.
1: I I think it should be Jaquest Smith by a wide margin. And again, I'm not trying to put him up on a pedestal, but you know what you have in Ed Sadie. You know what you have in Darvon Hubbard. You think you might know the surface of what you have in Jaquest Smith. Keep the momentum going. I, I think if you're giving Ed Sadie and Darvon Hubbard any more than 5 touches in this game I think it's a mistake unless it's you know unless it's later on in the game I think you need to get Jaquest Smith feeling really really good about himself heading into the Miami game um I don't think he was offered by Miami but if you if you get Jaquest Smith 15 18 20 touches in this game and he gets you 100 plus yards and he's feeling really good I mean really offensively he gives you a chance a fighting chance That's against true. Miami. Yeah, if you're not running the ball against Miami, and Miami can just pin their ears back and say, "We're going to stop EJ Smith." EJ Smith, I knew I was going to do that. EJ Warner, <laughs> okay. EJ Smith, I it's do all right. it all the time. EJ Smith is our good friend who covers the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer. Um, if they have something else to think about in two weeks, you have to get him confident. I, it, it should be Jaquez Smith by 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 a lot. Um, Temple fan, Al is the next screen name here in the mess board, uh, putting in a mailbag question. Does EJ deserve some criticism or is it mostly the offensive line and the receivers fault? Yeah, sure he does. Um, yeah, his numbers through the first two games aren't necessarily great. 522 yards, three touchdowns, two picks, both of which were last week. Uh, One was the, the drop, um, by, um. Reese Clark. Reese Clark, thank you. Yep, through the hands. Um, right through his hands. And the second one, you know, I mean, that was the game was our reach at that point. We're heading down for the post-game presser at that point. Yeah. Trying yeah. to do what we could to follow our game stories. and yeah. uh, But look, I mean, teams now have more uh, film of him to look at. He's And he's only completed 48 of 95 passes for just over 50% of his throws. That's not great. But again, we, we got to talk about the offensive line. Faced a lot of pressure last week, particularly on that left side. Mm-hmm. And I'm not burying Jackson Pruitt and, and Luke Watson. You know, Jackson Pruitt, you know, Kyle was talking about him last week. I mean, he's a he's a redshirt freshman. Mm-hmm. He's allowed to get better. You know, Luke Watson, allowed to get better. But again, like I said earlier, when the edge is consistently set like that in a bad way, it's not good. EJ was playing under a lot of duress. Um, but sure he bears some responsibility here. So Stan was asked about this on Monday, talked about that um, regarding like what what EJ is seeing pre-snap and implied that he's trying a little too hard sometimes. And uh, this was what Stan had to say specifically
3: about that. EJ is going to do what's coach, you know, 99% of the time, you know, and, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, he studies the game so much and, you know, he wants to win so much that, He'll make, he'll make adjustments on the line of scrimmage from a protection standpoint, from a route standpoint, you know, um, that may be av- advantageous for us to keep us on schedule. Um, but I think there was times where he tried to do that against Rutgers where the timing wasn't quite right or didn't need to, you know what I mean? Um, you know, sometimes he looks out the defense and sees a matchup issue right as advantageous for us and he may take that shot, you know what I mean? But, um, you know, for the most part, he's, he plays within the system, you know, uh, a couple of times uh, against Rutgers, we don't hold it against him. We know he's a competitor where he didn't and, and it hurt us. And I think those are things that he'll learn, you know, we got to remember he's, he's a true sophomore, you know, um, who played lights out last year and, and um, you know, we expect him to be competitive for us and put us in the right situations, but um, you know there are times where we gotta you know reel him in and make him understand you know um, you know how to stay on schedule the proper way. And I think that uh, he'll learn from this game. You know he's he's got the right mindset going into this next game, and you know we'll we'll figure it out with him for sure.
1: All right, a couple more mailbag questions here to uh, to close us out. Javon Edmonds, you remember this guy? Who?
2: Never heard of him. No, no. He
1: sounds like a good dude, though. Wow. Javon, we, yeah. we he, miss you, buddy. Javon he's my Edmonds, uh Part of the first-ever sports desk working for the for the Messenger, uh, breaking news reporter. No big deal. Yeah, MBD. Um, but miss you, buddy. Uh, he submitted a mailback question on Twitter, and his question is, is it fair to compare this year's Akron and Rutgers performances to 2021 for Akron and last year for Rutgers and come to the conclusion that the team has regressed? Um, I don't think so. Look again. Nobody f- should feel good about what they saw last week. Thirty-six to seven is thirty-six to seven. Right. Even if we're talking about the game being very much in a winnable situation in the fourth quarter, but then they just completely lost control of it. Uh, two weeks into the season, they're one and one. I think it's way too soon to say that they've regressed. Again, I'll go back to Jaquest Smith. If you can get Jaquest Smith going. And he makes the line feel better about himself, themselves, uh, excuse me, if if he makes EJ Warner feel good about himself, then that's a discernible step forward that you did not take last year. So, yeah, did it take them a full half to get their heads out of their butts against Akron? Yes. Mm -hmm. Did they, were they out of it this year as opposed to losing 16 to 14 to Rutgers last year? Yes, but in my humble opinion, I don't think you can look at those two games and say, but they've regressed again they have to really bounce back in a big way this Saturday. We know that, but I think it's too early to say they've regressed.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think, like, it's different issues as well, you know, where it's hard to say that a team regressed because there's so many different pieces in there to compare it to even last year is so, like, it's, you know, apples and oranges almost. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's too early to tell. I think, you know, maybe in mid-October we're having this conversation and, and saying, okay you know
1: that was a preview of things to come yeah if it turns out on the on the bad side
2: right but hindsight's always 2020 so like sitting here in your office right now i think that it isn't really necessarily fair to say but you know it is kind of trending in that direction so i can i can see where you know the thought would come up
1: Mm -hmm. final question to close us out a little bit of a, a, a more abbreviated episode this week yeah Short to the point. TU Alice fan 2004 from our message board. Going off topic here. Little food question hard tacos or soft tacos? It's a great question. I'm going to go to you, the the Taco Bell enthusiast. (laughs) Have you eaten at other Mexican places other than Taco Bell? yes john i've eaten I, wasn't in a, I wasn't asking i was not i was asking sorry I, there honestly there was no tone intended there like i want to hear it, like okay
2: let us <laughs> know in the comments let us know in the comments was there a tone was in there question? a tone there was there john definitely being a jerk was
1: there definitely was yeah tone. kyle would kyle would stick
2: up. i'm with declan
1: here lay off
2: <laughs> hard tacos or soft or soft shell tacos so i'll compare it to this because i think tacos are tacos right but I'm a really big nachos guy. Like, I love chips and then, like, taco ingredients. Mm-hmm. So I'm always going to be a hard taco guy. I think if you have a soft taco, you might as well have a burrito. You know what I'm saying? Like, you might as well just fold it over, put it in that way. Like, I, I'd I love either give me a burrito or give me nachos and, like, a hard taco. Um, that's what I'm going to go with.
1: That's fair. That's yeah. very fair. I I am a soft-shell taco guy, but and I say that only because they're my – Standard order. Haven't been to Taco Bell in a long time. Um,
2: <laughs> we could have changed that this love weekend. Love
1: the. Where were we gonna stop at a Taco Bell?
2: I told you there was one off one of the exits. I saw it when we came up. One. I mean, dude, it was one o'clock in
1: the morning. That's by That's prime we got Taco out of there. Bell hours. No, it's not. Yes, it is. By the way,
2: that that whatever sorcery
1: you guys got me that in that that energy drink. You're welcome. <sighs> You're welcome. You unlocked I mean, your full potential. That helped night. with
2: the ride home. I was not tired. <laughs> you know how people usually say, like you use ten percent of your brains. Yeah. Like you were using at least like 20, 25, 30. Definitely was not
1: tired at all. <laughs> we got home, dropped you guys off. I probably walked in the door at, like three fifteen ish. I could not fall asleep. Yeah. Even if I did not have that energy drink. I always it always takes me a little while to to unwind after um after a long drive but I was like Clorox wiping our kitchen counter like doing like odd <laughs> chores and I was like what am I still doing up and I You're welcome. I don't, I don't blame you guys cuz it was better that I was safe and alert
2: on the yes. road but man yes. it, took me, it took me a while. To and fall then asleep. your house was clean when you woke up. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Like there you're yes. not you hadn't said one negative thing. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um
1: when I do order, like our favorite, and it's it's a it's a chain place. There are a bunch of El Limones. If you if you're living around this area, uh, They actually have an El Limon right around the corner from us in and Havertown, which is kind of cool. My standard order from them, I'll get a shrimp burrito, and then I'll get uh, a couple of Tinga tacos, which is like the marinated chicken, Ooh. delicious. So I will feel the difference between like a taco and a burrito, but that's fair. Soft shell taco, you fold it over. Yeah. Um,
2: that's just I'm a me soft personal. shell taco
1: guy, but um, I yeah. respect your opinion. Love El Limón, the Cantina, no both Cantinas so. in the city, very good. Right. Um Oh my gosh, what's the place in South South Philly um, that was right around the corner from us at 10th and Wolf? Um Oh come on! I, have, I, no I have to look it up now.
2: I have no idea. I don't go out much. Um Hold on. That's okay. Take your time.
1: This is terrible. This is bad
2: podcast. <laughs> this is great, great audio.
1: audio. Los Gallos, Los Gallos. Terrific place in South Philly. I don't want to say it's an undiscovered gem because a lot of people know it, but they have terrific Mexican food. Yeah. Not an official sponsor of the scoop.
2: Yeah. No free shout outs, but. No,
1: but well, it's too late for that. So I know. Anyway, we will have much more for you guys next week a Norfolk State game to talk about. And again, if we're talking about anything other than a Temple win, then. Uh, yeah, we're going to have It's going to be a tough conversation. We have a lot of stuff to, to, yeah.
2: to sort through. So. It might be the longest episode ever.
1: Three hour episode of Scoop.
2: I would do it. With intermissions. Well, I could do it. With singing. I have with a two dancing. hour Saturday morning show every week. Check us Three out, WHIP episode. Radio. There
1: you go. Real <laughs> <No> free <show. laughs> What do you mean? It's my show. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Uh, but thanks for tuning in once again and listening for all of our longtime subscribers again that our listenership continues to grow could not do it without all of you so really appreciate that hope you guys have a great time at the game hope you have a great weekend whatever you're doing stay safe happy and healthy we'll talk to you soon